the Gold Cup hero. Two of the most admirable chasers you could possibly wish to see. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Race Hour podcast brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk and of course Tony Betts all the way to the Cheltenham Festival 2021. A few of you might be confused as to why we are a little bit early uh, this week. This has been the tradition. Um, we have our preview night of course this week so we don't fancy doing uh, a podcast and a preview night on the same day which is on Thursday so the podcast as normal is on the Tuesday. Um, it's not like there's been any news to to, uh, to discuss so uh, it should be pretty straightforward in the traditional style we will discover and uh, talk about some of the horses that have run over the, the previous weekend. We will also of course talk about uh, the Gordon Elliott situation and the, and the Horlicks that racing is finding itself in uh, right now. After the break we're going to tackle some handicaps um, and we're going to discuss with our guests uh, their view across the Cheltenham Festival. And then it'll be the weekend action. Now, I should have told you who was here, but I'm a little bit flummoxed at the moment with the way racing has gone. But Dermot Nolan is here. Dermot. Hello, Dean. How are you? All good. All good. A bit a bit flummoxed. That's a great word for this moment, actually. That's exactly how I feel. I mean, we can try and put it into words in a minute. Paddy Aspel is also here. Paddy. How are you guys? Good. All good. And it's good to have you on. A voice of... Uh, but potentially a voice of reason. But, I mean, this has got, got all sorts of um, people in the racing game um, up in arms. It's got the authorities scrambling for what to do. But a, a picture emerges during the week of, um, of of Gordon Elliott sat on a dead horse at his yard and uh, seemingly not paying the due respect you would expect of a man in his position with horses under his care. And uh, this is the situation we're in. And, and to make it worse... Um, there's a there's a video out there now of a Cheltenham Festival winner jockey um, doing something very similar to the amusement of, of people around him. I mean, racing has got enough things to defend itself on, also has some other problems that it needs to solve. Uh, it didn't need this. The timing is, is, is crucial in terms of the Cheltenham Festival being just around the corner. So optics are massively important, even more so than they would normally be. Uh, Paddy, when you saw what was breaking and developing across the news, uh, what did you think? Yeah, when I first saw the image the other night, I was uh, I was very shocked because, you know, straight away you just had like the word just popped into your head. I mean, if if it's real, you know, mm. he's potentially finished. You know, it was that's that's the way things are now, and you can't really, you can never really say we're not in the position in this instance to say well people can't be snowflakey about something like this because. Now this is a fellow who's very prominent, obviously as we know in the in the world of racing, and it's just going to go down absolutely awful. And now the fact of the matter is, you know, we're getting on for a year of all this COVID business, and mm. you know we finally look like we're starting to see a little bit of, you know, light at the end of the tunnel. Cheltenham's a couple of weeks away, and you know th- things are looking a bit more positive. Especially for the UK, Ireland are a little bit behind, aren't they? As far as uh, other things go, but things are heading in the right direction. And yeah, this is really—it's—it's it's such a such a horrible spanner in the works now. And you know, I think it's really knocked the window of a lot of people, even going forward into Cheltenham. And you know, Tiger Road's been taken out of the National Sea this morning, and mm. you know, there's all sort of speculation about what horses now can run and can't run. And ah, it's a—it's a disaster. It's a disaster all round. Yeah. 
it's a disaster for the game. It's obviously a disaster for Gordon Elliott, but you know he he has his own actions to to defend, and they seem indefensible in his own words. So there's not much he can do about this now, apart from um, sit and wait and see what the what the what the racing world does to him in terms of his uh, establishment and his career and the people around him. I mean, I, I don't really think we need to be here, Dermo, to start baiting the man. Um, he's done something just crassly stupid, and he's going to pay for it. Yeah, and like from a human from a human point of view, Dean, like y- you can only feel feel kind of sorry for him. Um, and I mean, it's stupid. He deserves whatever penalty he can get. But I just mean from a a different point of view, it's just that to build yourself up from nothing and to just do something so moronically yeah. stupid. And like everyone at the race hour, we completely condemn the photo and we condemn and we will we will back up whatever whatever penalties he faces because. At the moment, there's there's no other way to, to, to kind of look at it, Dean, and not say that you know a ban is probably warranted here, unfortunately. And it, it's a mm. uh, it's a very sad kind of realization to come to. Like you know, as in there's an awful lot of uh, brilliant jockeys down there and brilliant stable staff, and like they're they've been completely let down by him. Um, the one the one point that kind of does have to be raised is that. Um, this isn't obviously a horse to a degree. It's not a horse welfare issue because obviously the the, the horse passed away on uh, on natural merits. But just to take that picture, it's so crass. It's so wrong. The initial statement that came out was just was whoever that pure person was shouldn't should uh, should kind of rethink their approach in the future because that was just a ridiculous statement. It didn't help anything. Like when you compare that statement with what Rob James put out today, like you know, like. Rob James was it was absolutely moronic what he did as well, but he just said in a statement he's not going to waste anyone's time in defending himself or giving any context. He's just apologising and he's just you know um, mm. he, he'll do everything he can. That's that's that was the only way to approach this and trying to add context. There was no point adding context. Unfortunately, the the photo was what the photo was, and it's an irretrievable kind of situation at the moment because. I came on this podcast yesterday, or I came on, Dean, with the idea, like last night when I was speaking to you, that uh, I'd come on this podcast and I'd speak about how the fact that an awful lot of uh, journalists, uh, particularly over in the UK, they, they wouldn't touch the Sheikh Mohammed story because mm. of um, because apparently the the government need to sort that, despite the fact that that has gone through a court of law. And, you know, he's not a fit and proper person to be involved in horse racing. And I was going to discuss yeah. how, how there's other examples, how the BHA were very light on on situations and allowed horses to run but that other video just completely took that even though i have now in a way said it sorry but the uh, the the other video in a way has just really took took the life out of me because we have our preview night this weekend or sorry this week and usually now you'd be kind of knee deep in in kind of all the anti-post races and really trying to figure it all out but it's just very hard to even sit down and look at the form now because we don't even know what horses are going. It's a disaster from every single point of view. I don't agree with the, the BHA getting involved so early, but I also understand that they're they're also trying to look after their sponsors. So another night's sleep has kind of has brought that around in my head as well because I came out on Twitter very strong against them. And then when I woke up this morning, I thought, well, they also have, have they're also losing sponsors left, right and center. So they also had to say something really. And it's uh, it's just a disaster from absolutely top to bottom. And the only thing that we can do on the race hour is just absolutely condemn the photo and condemn everything to do with it. And just hope, hope to God somehow that kind of racing can, can emerge from this because it's not been a good few months. It's been a terrible few months from a PR point of view for our sport that we yeah. all love so much. And we're just, yeah, we're kind of potentially in a spot of bother here, aren't we? We, we certainly are. I think the last kind of 48 hours or so have, um, have highlighted the sport in the opposite way in which it was about to be highlighted. We had an awful buzz around Cheltenham last year being on 
um, at the start of the pandemic, although that followed, you know, government advice. We don't need to start defending that, but you know, it was about to to kind of at least get some press for some fantastic horses. It's it's going to really struggle to do that. Paddy Derma mentioned the fact that the BHA have set their stall out early by the fact that Gordon at the minute is suspended from some racing any horses in the UK. You know, when you think about the sponsors involved and the TV and the broadcasters and the fact that the media would be all over their meeting, they can't even have crowds there. One thing I think they had to do pretty quickly, albeit they've stepped out in front of the IOHRB, which is, you know, perhaps unprecedented, is um, is just make sure that Gordon won't be there. His horses can still run. Yeah, um, I was taken aback a little bit when I did see it yesterday, but I think that there's arguments on both sides, and I see I seen the the tweet that Derma put up last night, and you know I could fall on both sides of the fence, you know without sure. a doubt, as I'm sure I'm sure Derma could, and I I seen the point that he was making. Um, it's it's interesting, but you know it's not the, it's certainly not the first time that the IHRB are a bit you know on the not so much on the back foot, but. You know, they're, they're they're certainly nowhere near as as, as quick about coming forward as, as what the BHA are and look they've sort of um, put a put a stamp on on how they see things at the minute and I think look people will come out with the phrase innocent until proven guilty but I think we've seen enough so far uh, to get the gist sure. of, of what's going on but because we have the, the IHRB hadn't actually you know, decided on, on, a, on a final verdict or an outcome. Yeah, I think maybe uh, the BHA should have should have held fire for a little bit longer anyway, um, just to, to try and get some more meat on the bone if, if we needed any more. But yeah, it was interesting, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I, think it, I think it does force <clears throat> um, the Irish horse racing authorities to to take a similar view. And maybe that's what they wanted to do. But I mean, who, who are we to say for either side? What, what would have been great is that we would know when, from an Irish point of view, this would be resolved. But, you know, it's not our fight. It's not our battle. What I would say is that these 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 two individuals and, and the others around, the taking of the photo and the video that are out there, have just, have just shone a, a, a horrendous coloured light on on the sport. And they've let the people down who, who love the sport and who would defend it to the end because lots of people have differing views on racing that are, you know, horse racing is cruel and we've had the stick debate and we've, we've, we've talked about all sorts of different things. And one thing that anyone who loves racing will always say is that these horses are just treated like royalty. And, and We've you know, been a colour trade, you course. know, as in, yeah, and the horses there are treated immaculately. And that's the, yeah. that's the really disappointing facet of this. It's very hard to square off the few days that we've had down at that stable. And when mm-hmm. you look at the horses and the, the real care and the individual routines that all of those horses had down there and the, the just how happy and cheeky a lot of the horses were, you know, clearly content in everything that they were doing. All of them, like from a you know a horse running at Dundalk to um, to Don Cossack or whoever else was down there, they whoever were just so happy. And it's just, yeah, it's just very, very kind of sad now to kind of to yeah. to look at this and it's it's i just think the bha going forward now have have set a precedent that they have to continue to back up if this is how if this is how they do things going forward that's absolutely brilliant like the quick response like that is outstanding but they have to do this for everything now you know they've they've banned phoenix thoroughbred horses from from running in the uk i completely agree with that if nobody understands that case just look up one kind it was a type of bitcoin that was um a complete fraud people lost everything because of uh one kind and that's where the money for phoenix thoroughbred um is apparently coming from from that scam so they were right to ban them but then again we're coming back to you know the 
Sheikh Mohammed, um, how do they approach that? Because Gordon is technically failing their their fit and proper persons campaign. And then, you know, you've got Saudi Arabia have a big influence now in racing and they weren't able to buy a football club because they failed the fit and proper test in football. So why are they passing that in horse racing? Mm. You know, mm. like I understand why the BHA did this, but they're opening themselves up to a myriad of issues because you act really quick on one issue. Why the hell are they so slow on other issues? And why is journalists... In the UK as well, so slow to touch any of the subjects that I've just talked about, but unbelievably quick here to slam Gordon Elliott uh, based on one horrifically crass photo. It's just, it's a disaster of a case for everyone involved, but where I'm getting at is, is that this could be a real moment where, and they won't do it right, I'd say somehow, but the HRI, the IHRB, um, the BHA, whoever, they could all sit down at the end of all this and say, right, um, how do we how do we set now from now on that anything that horse racing doesn't agree with that this is how we approach this this is the time frame and stop hiding stuff behind like as in we're two weeks from Cheltenham we don't even know the weights of some horses running at Cheltenham now, I know that's completely off topic but all I mean is that there's way too much behind closed doors in horse racing this is our moment now to really bring everything out and we, we could turn a terrible situation into a really positive one and make horse racing a brilliant sport uh, once again and the BHA, the HRI, the IHRB, they all have that opportunity now. But I hope we don't get caught up in politics of the BHA were out first. So now the IHRB are probably going to be annoyed at them and they're not going to work together. The two sides of the Irish Sea, we should be working together. Our horses crossed out that sea so many times to take each other on. So whilst this is an unbelievably negative situation, the point I'm getting at is that this could turn into a positive if, if the right people run this properly. Well, you know, I, I hope that's the case. I just think whatever happens now between the authorities that um, this kind of light shone on the sport that already has issues, some of them you've mentioned, Demo, and some that, you know, people are really hard to convince. Um, and it's just, it's just, this isn't going to, this isn't going to go away without swift action. And I think probably the bands that may have been six months, 12 months, etc., cetera, um, will need to be you know, pretty harsh and, and pretty front of house so that this doesn't become a, a rolling a rolling story. What is fascinating is the timing and it seems that, you know, there's probably more to come. Who else has got videos out there? And this is the thing that will that will will drag us all down. So uh, a very sorry uh, tale. And I'd like to move on because um we should, I think, and let's do what we normally do here on the Race Hour podcast, which yeah, is definitely. talk about some of the horses. So let's do that. Um from the weekend that has just gone, uh, Paddy, got to go to you first on, on a horse that I think you put up on your uh, on your Gambler.com uh, preview for the Triumph. Tritonic, um, Alan King's horse, I, I thought a, a couple of points in the race almost looked like he was a touch outpaced. And for a 99 flat horse, that was that was surprising. But actually, all he needed was a squeeze. And then he had way too much pace for everything in the Adonis. Yeah, and he's a horse really, he's a stout stare on the flat. And he probably has no business doing what he's doing over the minimum over hurdles, to be honest, do you know? But I thought mentally he looked a good bit sharper the other day. I know mm. they, they rode him a little bit closer to the pace, but, you know, around a much more speed emphasis track like Kempton compared to Ascot the first day, he looked mentally a lot more streetwise the other day. And uh, I've seen an interview with Adrian Heskin this morning as well. And, you know, it was obviously very, very taken. And look, I mean, his, his, numbers back it up Alan King it's it's the highest rate of flat horse he's ever sent jumping so you know he, he was always bound to be good but I just think the improvement even though he did win on 
debut, the improvement from first to second run. I mean, Casalupi was 10 lengths behind him in the end. I know there was there was certain sort of debates as, as regards how the time stacked up, but I think you've got to look at maybe how quick he's run from the second last home and how hard he was actually pushed. You know, I don't really think that he's he's gone right up to the, the top of the rev counter, Adrian Heskin, the other day, and he still won by 10 lengths. So, no, I mean, look, he had to come through this Adonis the other day to, to keep my confidence in him for, for Cheltenham, but just very impressed with the, the, the improvement mentally with the horse uh, from first to second run and a oh, very tidy effort, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I was super impressed. And you can often look over impressive in an Adonis because there plenty of those horses have in the, almost their first run, second run, whatever, and, and have got you know a last tilt at maybe going for a triumph and stuff. And the winner is normally a bit more forward and a, you know, a bit more um, engineered to go and do, do the job can do it in style and Tritonic did that demo and uh, and is now you know joint favorite if not a potential candidate goal favorite ahead of Zani yeah really really good performance um the his jumping left a bit to be desired but it has to be remembered in the triumph hurdle over the last seven furlongs they do only jump two hurdles anyway Dean so that might yeah. you know if he's still there kind of in with a shout by that stage his his flat speed can can really come to the fore but I think there there is a small bit of kind of recency bias here though because was he was impressive doing that Zanier was also very impressive in how he slammed St. Sam at um at Ferry House Dean that, that weekend that we were on him obviously and then at Christmas Ferry, yeah. he he did it completely different and you know he fought uh he fought off a slow pace so Zanier is still unbelievably impressive he's, he's still favored which he completely deserves to be but it's just great because you know there has been that talk with Quilixios that he might go for the Boodles but we'll discuss that later on I, I just don't see how the UK handicapper nearly allows that to happen he'll put him up too high I think but Quilixios you know he was the one that we kind of were talking about the two of them but when Jack Kennedy came back in off Quilixios the first thing he said to to Gordon was uh was that this is all about Zanahir still so we were kind of looking at a boring race Tritonic adds a really brilliant element now to this a real UK versus Ireland type approach we've no idea between the form between them because whilst we could rubbish the Adagio form in a way when Monreal slammed Nassalam and obviously Duffelcoat had beaten him earlier on in the year so you know you could kind of question that form this form is brand new we don't really know where we stand with it so um, obviously there's kind of a few horses coming across but even you know the third was having his first run that day and Casalopi was he really turned that around so really interesting I'm still with Zana here but um, as far as as a race goes, this was exactly what the uh, what the race needed. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I, I'd almost side with, with Tritonic after what I saw at the weekend, but recency bias is a great thing, isn't it? I only just seen it, so I'm kind of like, wow, yeah, that was, yeah, that was super it. impressive. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll wait and see what the market does because you know price is everything, and if um, if they were uh, if there was a decent discrepancy between the pair, the longer price one would suit me from a betting perspective. Um, Demo, why don't you talk to me about Kate Gentleman because you were very keen on this animal getting it done on a trip over from Ireland and, and that it did. I had to work for it, but look, it was it was relatively... Um, I, I don't... I would, let me put it another way. I didn't think you were ever that worried that it was going to get turned over. I was worried two out. Now, Calico travelled in really well. Uh, I think he's a very smart horse. I think that's yeah. a good race. Um, Calico, had he jumped at the, the last two, it would have been interesting, but I do know what you mean as in... John Joe looked to have plenty under his um, under his bonnet, and particularly that this horse, we know he stays further. You know, he's a, a, a Zarowich winner. They ran him over three miles the time before at Leperson, obviously, but just he hated the ground. He, mm. If you watch that back, there's not one moment where uh, Brian Hayes on the day is happy. Um, John Joe Neal Jr. gave this horse an absolute peach. 
Um, I think he's a very good horse. Whether or not they bring him to Cheltenham now, it, it probably doesn't look likely. I think um, Emmett Mullins mentioned something like the uh, the Moore battle maybe with him, which is a very interesting way to go with him. And Emmett Mullins deserves an awful lot of praise here because he said that the horse doesn't like the ground. Now they learned that from Leprosound. So he thought completely outside the uh, the box here to go over to Kempton, particularly now with the hassle in it. So um, Emmett Mullins deserves an awful lot of praise for that. And just uh, the ride and everything else, this is a very smart horse. I think the novice hurdlers that are in Ireland are a very, very smart bunch at the moment as as every race can show you know it's um ireland are very much t- to the fore in every one of them and cape gentleman added more credence to that but i think you can write off the race beforehand he won over two miles or his future is definitely over further he's not in the supreme at the Shetland festival he just in the Ballymore ground is very important to him but he's a horse that you could definitely see that this isn't the only big race that this horse will uh will pick up in yeah, and and handled by by Emmett. I mean, Paddy, this this man when he brings him over, um, you take note, especially his demo highlighted on the pod last week. He brings it over when it's a real nightmare to try and do it. Was a tip in itself, and uh, the second looks a good horse too. We did see two nice ones fight that out. Yeah, Defo. Um, I mean, obviously we spoke about Calico, didn't we? And he's run very well, but yeah, I, I definitely thought from the back of the last that that Kate Gentleman he he wanted it more than than Calico because. Harry Skelton's body language. I know he tends to ride a lot of horses like that. He likes to keep the bit up in their mouth as long as as long as possible. But yeah, he wasn't perfect. He wasn't foot perfect at the last two hurdles, but he did hit the front. And then Cape Gentleman has has come and, and got him again. I just thought that the the um, the winner wanted it more. Uh, but we didn't really see much of that at at Ludlow when he won on his debut. So whether. He's bumped into a real, real nice one the other day, which I've no doubt he did. But I do think resolution-wise, Cape Gentleman was far more willing under pressure than Calico because when Harry Skelton sets about one, you can always tell by him. He he knew that this boy might just hang fire for a second, so he didn't miss him. And he got stuck in and he gave him every... Or he gave him the best chance of winning. And I still Mm. just think he, he let... Uh, Cape Gentleman had a little bit of a target to aim at from the back of the last ever so slightly, but I, I thought he gave it up a little bit, and, and and Cape Gentleman on the day was 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 a worthy winner. Yeah, I just felt like Calico met a, a bigger boy at school and was uh, and was put in his place, but that doesn't mean it's not going to be a nice horse to take forward. And hats off to to Emmett for doing what he did with his charge there. Um, Paddy, let's talk about Tamarok Dumatan because uh, Galore and 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 Tamarok Dumatan were two that we talked about on the pod last week. I was very keen that Nichols's one would come good. I didn't expect it to be quite as um, impressive as it was because you know Galore is a really nice type, but there was a, there was a few jumping issues with some of these in this race actually, but it didn't really affect Tamarok Dumatan, who was kept wide and and had a comfortable spin. Yeah, no, you were very keen on this boy, Dino, weren't you? And it was a great shout. Um, you napped them up, didn't you? I did, but he was short, you know, so like... Yeah, yeah I Black also, Heart I, was your one then, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 which I was not going to mention in the review demo, so thanks. <laughs> I mean, in, in, in the end, he, he did go off evens, uh, Tamarok de Matan, but yeah. yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, the thing is, it was a strange sort of race because Gallo, he kept out off the rail and gave Cool Cody a lovely run up the inner there, and for a few strides, I thought, you know, he jumped far better than normal Cool Cody. He wasn't as low as he normally is with with Adam Wedge uh, back on board. and uh, But I, 
ultimately he backed out of it. But yeah, Gallo certainly the last few obstacles he was getting in under. He, he, without making desperate mistakes, he just wasn't making ground and was losing momentum. Whereas Tamarok de Matan, I, I, I like the way he went down to the last. And Harry didn't. He didn't do either way. He he, he didn't hook him up or he, he didn't hoof him. He, he's he's left him there to to his own devices and he's came up out of his hands. So. There was obviously a bit of petrol left in the tank. And I mean, Gallo actually came away from the back of the last again, but he just couldn't live with Tamarok de Matan's scope. He's just a bigger horse. He's more scopey, very, very likable. And you were absolutely spot on. You know, he, he backed up that decent effort, albeit not good enough behind Shiskin, but he was certainly good enough for the pendle the other day. Yeah, he was. And, uh, and a nice nod to Shiskin there because, you know, the, the form kind of intertwined because you're the all mankind form with uh, with Galo and you had the Shiskin form with with Tamarok de Matan and and uh, anyone uh, keen on Shiskin for a couple of weeks time will just be keener not that they probably need any encouragement uh, probably not one for Cheltenham Tamarok de Matan um, I'll probably be heading off to Aintree um but a lot to like about that performance and I must mention another horse uh, demo that Mr Mr Stephen Cass on this podcast threw up at big big prices for the champion herd and was the winner at Fairy House Jason the Militant yeah this this is a great story. I mean, Peter Michael, the owner, is um, we kind of know him from the the racer and everything else on on Twitter, mm. and he's um, he just seems a thoroughly likable guy. And he, he did an interview with kind of one of our listeners, uh, Lloyd Murphy on on Joe and he, he just seemed a really really great guy. And you know, for a breeder owner to produce a horse like Jason the Militant, like that's just absolutely brilliant and this horse all season I mean he hasn't got his head in front of Abercadabras all season but god almighty he hasn't been far behind and I fancy yep. Abercadabras for this but it was just a really good performance now the one caveat I'll have is that if you believe it fully that's great you know he gave um he gave nine pounds to Petit Mouchoir who's rated 155 so that makes Jason the Millicent 164 horse in my opinion though um Petit Mouchoir isn't a 155 horse anymore um I think that he's probably flattered by that run at Christmas where he was third in a race where Abercadabras came back with mucus in his lungs. Saldier kind of needed a run. St. Wall just hasn't fired and it just kind of looks a bit better than it is. So he's not a horse that I'd be backing, but at those odds, Dean, who the hell can you put off to back a horse at his big odds for Cheltenham? Um, and particularly, I'd be delighted for Peter Michael. I'd be a small bit happy for Cass, but he'd never shut up about it. But I'd be uh, absolutely thrilled for Peter Michael. He just seems a really good guy and he's every single right now to to go to Cheltenham off the back of that and especially the form as I mentioned beforehand you know he's he's taken on completely the right horses um in Aspire Tower and Abercadabras etc so this horse absolutely deserves his chance but for me I just think he's he's a horse that kind of likes to go forward you know and in all his runs um all his runs so far you know he's been either tracking the leaders or obviously leading and I, there's just so much uh, strength in that pace up front that he wouldn't be for me, Dean. But as we know, I am known to be wrong from uh, from time to time, Dean. <laughs> from time to time, yeah, um, which is fair. I, I, I thought Jason the Militant um, ran a super race and every every reason to, to go and have a tilt at Cheltenham. should never be afraid of a few horses. And why not? If you've a horse good enough to be involved in what looks a crack in renewal of a champion hurdle. Why would you not go and, and roll the dice, Paddy? It's quite close to Cheltenham, this race at Fairy House, the one that they took in. And if Petty Mouchoir has run up to, you know, anywhere near its top, top level, then Jason the Militant is, uh, is, 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 in the, is in the mixer. He'd have to be, wouldn't he? Um, you know, he looked a million dollars the other day and he looked like he really, 
enjoyed himself, gave weight all round, you know, gave nine pound to the winner and beat him seven and a yeah. half lengths, you know, very, very easily. Um, you know, I just thought he got everything right the other day. He jumped like a book. Uh, he was never really under any pressure. And, you know, that was what you wanted to see. Um, you know, he came through that trial very, very nicely. And, yeah, I, I mean, I, it is quite close, isn't it, to to Cheltenham, mm. but... I think off the back of that, couldn't have left too much of a mark on him, and and if anything, could only just have him sort of fit and 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 ready to go and do battle. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're going to go to Cheltenham with an outside chance, may as well go there off the back of a nice win, and uh, we'd all we'd all um with the with the pecker right up and get straight get straight in there. So why not? Best of luck to them as well for it um, for the championado. I don't think. Um, any of us are going to row in behind it and say it's got a great shout. Stephen Cass picked out early enough, as Demo said, and uh, and good luck to Connections. Okay, look, that's the the wrap of the first part of this um, show. We ended it on a very positive um, note with talking about some good horses and wh- what their future might hold. Uh, you're listening to The Race Hour, brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk and, of course, Tony Bear all the way up to the Cheltenham Festival 2021. When we come back, it's um, the handicaps at the Cheltenham Festival and uh, the final part of the show will be the weekend action. You're listening to the Race Hour Podcast in association with bookmakers.co.uk. Brought to you by Tony Bet for Cheltenham Festival 2021. Cheltenham 21 on the Race Hour. Brought to you by Tony Bet. Okay, welcome back to part two of this week's edition of the Race Hour Podcast. Brought to you by the friends at bookmakers.co.uk. And of course, Tony Bet all the way up to Cheltenham Festival 2021. It's myself, Dean Ryan, uh, Dermot Nolan is here and Paddy Aspel. And we're going to take a spin through the Cheltenham Handicaps. Now, we are pretty much on the eve of the weights uh, being announced. And of course, you know, of recent news, uh, there's also other elements in there, like who will go and who won't go. But it's a fascinating time to have a look at the markets because the final piece of information are only just... Uh, a day or two away and Paddy as we've got you on of course um prior to the preview night and we probably won't catch up again uh before the Cheltenham Festival good idea to spin through some of these and see where we are because we talked about loads of the graded races before day one Cheltenham Festival the old teamer is um is one of the biggest handicaps of the week one of my favorite races because it's a puzzle that needs solving outside of the graded action on the first day and um, Lieutenant Rocco is a, is a very well fancied horse for for, for smaller connections and as a market leader, Escaria 10, of course, everyone knows about is around 10 to 1. Happy-go-lucky. Kim Bailey's also been seeing a bit of money recently at 10th. Um, with the likes of Coco Beach, unlikely to come, I would say, being held over for Ireland. The one for the team um, is the one I'm super keen on because it's the old Maljamar connections. And we all remember what Wichita Lyman did to Maljamar in, uh, in, in this very race. So the old team of Paddy. What do you reckon? A fascinating race always is one of my favourites on day one, in and amongst the, the, the graded action. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think Happy Go Lucky, he looks to me like a horse who has come back to form, certainly at the right time. He's He is one horse, you can certainly say, he never shirks a battle. He is, you know, he's a typical Kim Bailey horse. He's always yep. involved in the early mix, but just of late, showing a very, very likable attitude and I just think timing-wise, it couldn't be any better for him. I mean, he's he's still only a seven-year-old. I mean, he's by that, for me, freak sire in, in Jeremy. He just gets some very, very good ones. And, mm. yeah, he, he is, it appears to be, coming to the boil at the absolute perfect timing. Now, I mean, don't get me wrong. He certainly had to, he got involved in another duel 
the last day. So he's got to come out the right side of that. But, you know, he's a course and distance winner. Uh, he's pretty battered hardened to say for a seven-year-old. He's got some pretty tough miles on the clock, but, you know, he seems to handle his racing pretty well. And I'd imagine connections couldn't be any happier, sort of, as I've mentioned already, about the timing of and his form. Yeah, I think that's a very fair shout. This seems to be the horse on a lot of people's lips uh, for the race. I've already, uh, you know, cards on tape, I've already backed one one for the team, but happy-go-lucky has to be on the shortlist, as does the the rather exciting and a horse that could have gone for a tougher race, I'd imagine, is Lieutenant Rocco. And the Irish Challenge, Dermo, um, headed probably by the likes of, I'm not sure Far Class will turn up here, but Iscaria it's, it's 10 uh, might be the one there. Yeah, Farclad looks like he's going for the Paddy Power Plate with um, yeah. Conflated. Um, that's if they go, obviously. And then, of course, um, of course, of course. But for now, we assume. For, yeah, for now. Um, Iscaria 10 has this or the National Hunt Chase on his agenda, and you'd understand if they went for a National Hunt Chase. So he'd be one that I'm very interested in, but I'm completely rowing in behind Happy Go Lucky and, uh, right. and Paddy Aspel as well i mean a mark of 147 that's very fair for a novice who could, who could well be good enough to run in a, br- a brown advisory novice chase in place like in last season i mean yes he's only had what is it eight runs but like they're they're very tough battles he's he's got a lot of experience as paddy said you know that third behind time hill at cheltenham in november 2019 over hurdles he battled all the way that day that's very strong form he was fourth in the martin pipe hurdle last season as well at the Challenge Festival, in fifth yeah. was the Bosses Oscar, in sixth was Mill Green, in seventh was five o'clock. We know how highly the uh, the Richie Camp think of him. Um, that's a brilliant run, absolutely brilliant. And again, he uh, he had to tough it out that day. The, the the winner came from the back. Those up front tend to tended to kind of really die a death, but he really stayed on, rallied, and stayed on under pressure. And twenty five to one that day. And since going over fences, he's gone from strength to strength. Was brilliant and. Uh, beat the mighty don last time a mark of 147 for him i just he could well be a late 150s kind of low 160s horse and as we know from these um these festival handicaps dean that's the exact kind of horse that that you want on side you nearly have to be a graded horse to win these handicaps so i think happy go lucky is slowly but surely becoming one of my kind of uh, bets of the week sure i'm not sure those double figures will last although you know bookmakers get highly competitive on the day of the race so there will be other options uh, available around at the time but double figures right now for happy go lucky and two votes for it for that old team i'll take one for the team uh, by taking one for the team okay let's move on to uh the, the no one laughed at that joke which is fair <laughs> uh, let's move on to the boodles because we question marks about what might actually uh line up at the top here because we've a couple of uh uh, of course, Gordon Elliott trained horses at the top of the market. Even Zana here is quoted in this. That is not going to run here anyway. If it goes, it's in the triumph. Quixelos is there. St. Sam is there. Bustleton and Asylum. I mean, this is the kind of, you know, you're not going you're not going to win the triumph. You might have well have a go at this, Dama. Yeah, this is um this is very interesting. It's not a race that I'd be kind of um hurtling into just now because, you know, the likes of Jordan Gainford, if he was to claim seven off um of Calixios. In a perfect world, you could maybe get that horse down to a mark of 140, and he could just end up being way too. And you're in there, yeah. Yeah, you know, like yeah. you just end up being way too good for them. So it's interesting to see what kind of mark that he gets. I have a sneaky feeling the, the UK handicapper isn't going to let this happen. Um, but again, if they want to run him off a high weight, they they most certainly can. Um, the one though who who should be running with her weight and everything else is um Riviere de Tell. I just think that's a that's a that's a proper piece of form there and um as much as um as much as obviously 
the horses above her might have a bit more experience. That that run behind the Devils coachman last time was really impressive. Before that, she was a 12-length winner from, from Coventry, who was a decent flat horse. But Visionarian was ahead that day, kind of let down the form last weekend with a disappointing effort, but I just didn't think stayed up over two mile four on the um on the heavy ground just kind of definitely wants to come back and trip there on better ground as well but Riviera to tell um that was a big run the devil's coachman has backed that up since and would not be out of place by any which way in a supreme so we're looking at this horse here she kind of she got a mark in the in the 130s 134 that's a really good mark and if she does rack up here rather than go for the the mayor's novice and something like a Quilixios or a Saint Sam doesn't run. I think she's um, she's a whopping price there, Dean, at um, at fourteen to one or so. Yeah, still around the fourteens mark. Um, an interesting contender for the Boodles. Um, is it too early to get too excited about this, Paddy, or have you seen something you like? Uh, I mean, y- you could you could pick plenty in this, uh, but we'll have a much better idea this time tomorrow. But I was actually looking at something at a, at a bigger price here for the Williams team back or Saint. Um, he's actually declared tomorrow, so he's got to come through that. I mean, it looks it looks um, a reasonably I won't say ordinary event tomorrow, but he's got to be winning tomorrow if he's going to take his place uh, here. He's yet to win a race; he still remains a maiden. But I just thought he tried to mix it a little bit in in Duffel Coates race the last time I seen him at Cheltenham, and he mm-hmm. was entitled to get very tired and drop off the back of the telly, but he didn't. He kept galloping. Uh, he's got some reasonable form in the book, and as I say, he still remains a maiden, but he's got some reasonably solid form in the book. And, you know, a mark of one two nine, uh, I think could be very, very interesting from, you know, a yard who certainly they don't go around with their eyes shut, you know, you know they're, they're quite capable. Fair enough. Fair enough. A decent price as well. Like, what is he now? 25s, 33s, Falco Saint. Uh, will run tomorrow and could line up in that boodles. I'm just going to steal all of Dermo's homework and roll in with Vivier to tell. But on the basis that he likes it, and I don't have a clue on that race. Which, yeah, which is, uh, I think I'm entitled to. It's two weeks out. I'll work it out when we get closer to the to the time. But thank you, Demo and uh, and Balco saying there for Paddy. Okay, well, moving on to the Wednesday, the Coral Cup is often uh, one of the big big highlights, of course, of the punting week. The fascinating horse for me that dropped into this uh, more recently is Allard, who of course made such a good impression over fences, and I think they might be about to take advantage of a handicap mark here, if you believe. What you hear, but there are some uh, there are some nice horses in here. Paddy likes a Guanwa Koshari wide receiver. I mentioned that. Our Black Tears, of course, was a winner yesterday. Uh, Fifty ball uh, probably goes elsewhere, but it's sixteen to one or so after that top couple that I mentioned. Yeah, it, it's interesting. You say the the rumours about Alart um, going back over the smaller obstacles, but it's not like it's five years ago since he last jumped a hurdle. So oh, totally, yeah. You yeah. know, it's it's it's. Um, it's certainly believable. Um, I mean, there's no doubt Kashari was a real eye catcher, wasn't he, at the Dublin Racing Festival? I mean, he he just he was one of them. You all, your eye was sort of drawn to him. I thought he probably even ran better than maybe connections would have hoped. But you know, these things never never get missed. I mean, he's in there around about fourteens. I mean, he's a nine year old Kashari, and he ha- he obviously isn't the most in. I won't say entirely straightforward to train, but probably entirely straightforward to keep him right. He, you can, you don't get many many bullets to fire with him. Um, so interesting that he lines up here. I thought at at fourteens he he was worth a go. I wouldn't like him to get much shorter because he does appear to be a little bit delicate. But there's no doubt 
he certainly caught my uh, leprous town at the at the Dublin Racing Festival. Fair enough, fair enough. Demo uh, the the Coral Cup, a race that is um, uh, the competitive nature of the bookmakers on the days of these races has to be remembered, right? If you're getting yeah. stuck into these uh, uh, anti post odds, so I'd just like to keep saying that because I'd I'd be wary that you know we may we may fancy one or two horses at a price now when uh, you know four times the places are available on the day and uh, and and suddenly they're the same price. So it's it's what do, what do you have your eye on though? Yeah, I mean, Grand Wall now is 7-1 to at the moment, and you'd be no shock to see that horse going off a bit bigger on the day, you know, um, yeah. just just that there's there's more than likely some J.P. McManus horse that we haven't spotted, um, a la St. Juan, the county hurdle, that uh, is somewhere down there now that, that, that is absolutely ready for its life. Um, but um, just as far as taking 7-1 to one on him this far out, I can see the angle on Grand Watts. It, it's a very obvious one. Um, mm. Allard was the one, Dean, that really interests me. I mean, this is a horse rated 152 over fences and 149 over hurdles. Um, that was a big fifth in the Supreme last year. Put Fiddler on the roof away quite easily and then fell at the eighth at Haydock when you can't draw any conclusions. Uh, not a yeah. bad idea to kind of put him away now, maybe over hurdles and then maybe let him pop fences again at um, at Aintree. Um, so it will be very, very interesting if, if they did take his mark here and run in this because 149 for him, in my opinion, is is too low. But there is two others um, that kind of could could rock up here. I think as the ground dries out, 50 ball will definitely go up in Triptine and he's, his new mark is 135. Um, so that's mm-hmm. four pounds higher than what he ran in the Betfair. Um, I won't go on about this too much, but he ran an amazing race. Anyone just watch it back, he loses it. Sadly, pulls early. That was an amazing run to finish second like he did and with the handicap entry so far down 135 could could squeeze you into a coral cup or a county hurdle it really could yeah. um so whatever he does turn up in very interesting but i'd like him in this now with the ground drying out i think he him going up and trip will, will allow him to kind of travel for longer and that's exactly what you need to do in the coral cup and the other horse that could could turn up here um is Baron of Adon, who also has got a rating now. Um, he's rated 135. Um, so he's got his mark there. Um, he, 100, 129 in Ireland. Very interesting that it looks like he goes straight to the Cheltenham Festival for, for David Bridgewater. I got very impatient, Dean, when I was waiting to see where, where he was entered. So I messaged uh, David Bridgewater's page on Facebook and I got a, a brilliant reply back that he just got a bit unwell traveling over and they were thinking of going straight there so he's 135 but it has to be remembered that off a mark of 120 he beat damalisk in his last run since being sold out of um out of tom mullins's and that day he gave um he gave six pounds to damalisk who was rated 120 um and and simon Torrens claimed another five of damalisk that day so he gave a good bit of weight away that day to that horse and Damalise since then has gone on to win a handicap of 122 at Navin really easily and then finished third a brilliant run in a major handicap in Ireland off an Irish rating of 135 so God knows what he'd get over in the UK so 135 for Barnaby Adam with that back form um, is very strong he's an experienced eight-year-old he's going to be one hopefully that uh, will be brilliant over fences for for that yard because they really do deserve a bit of luck and Barnabadon wherever he does get in off 135 it could end up in the Martin Pipe maybe but again he could squeeze in here and he's 20 to 1 or so I'm just very interested in him because of coming from small stable you'll you'll get that price on the day as well and Barnabadon wherever he does show up is extremely interesting to him. nice nice I mean you'll get that price and bigger perhaps uh, depending on where this one turns up um, given the connections and fair play to them for answering your question 
on uh, on social media to show you how accessible uh, some of the chaps are in this game, which is super. Good point made as well about 50 ball. And uh, and when we're talking about Allah, the, the reason he interests me is he hasn't reached the ceiling over fences or hurdles, and there's plenty more uh, to come from them. So I think it makes a lot of sense to go for that Coral Cup if that's where they do pitch up. Let's talk about the, um, the Grand Annual. Uh, Paddy, one of the revelations of the season is a horse that just couldn't win, or that looked like it always should, and that Sky Pirate coming to the fore. Um, he'd have a tough old job winning this off his likely handicap mark, though. Yeah, I think so. Um, but I mean, there's no doubt he's been an absolute um, he's been an absolute revelation since they've dropped him down to the minimum. And I mean, it's just sort of given the horse a new lease of life because you know he's been called plenty of names, hasn't he? Um, oh yeah, because yep. of you know the, the way he goes through a race. But you know the thing is, he's so good on his feet, he can go any gallop uh, over two mile because you you don't have to. To worry about him jump but i know he did get beat the last day but he ran a very very solid race he was there with every chance and certainly wasn't disgraced i wouldn't like to see him get too much shorter now to be honest um but you know nonetheless off a mark of of 152 around a track where <laughs> he's he's certainly ran some interesting races over some interesting trips <laughs> um yeah it's 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 all about the the early fractions and you know in a in a Johnny Henderson you're gonna have absolutely crazy fractions early doors and right up his street won't it? Yep. Will be. He's a he's a fascinating runner here. I don't know if um either of you remember the the day he won <clears throat> that Zanza came down. And Zanza is in this race and jocked up I believe uh, for this weekend and some of the action we'll talk about in the final part of the show. If Zanza were to win this weekend, twenty five to one for yeah. a grand annual uh, would look absolutely bonkers. And I'm not going to go any deeper than that in the Grand Annual demo. Uh, Zanza is the bet, the current prices, because I believe he would have given uh, Sky Pirate a proper going uh, the last time. Yeah, I kind of think that doesn't Chosen Mate look very nearly obvious. I know the mark that... Looks obvious, all right, yeah. I know the mark that he's on, but he won this race very easily last year, and he's rated 155 now, won this race at a canter last season off um, 147, and as I mentioned, Jordan Gainford, and there's a few other um, young, uh, even the likes of kind of a Simon Torrens, who could claim, I think he's still claiming five, he could be three now maybe, but if he could get a good five-pound claimer, which there is, seems to be ample amount of them, um, getting his mark down to 153 pounds higher than what he ran, he won this race at a canter off last season and kind of, you know, the, the runs he's had this year, he, he comes alive on better ground and he just hasn't got that all year apart from really when he won a Clarney and then he obviously flopped over hurdles, but he's just never been a hurdle horse. So his last brilliant performance was over, over fences, a, a Clar- or sorry, on the flat in Clarney on good ground. And since then he's been a bit in the doldrums, but that just wouldn't concern me. I just think he's a, a much better horse as the ground gets better. So a mark of 155 does seem very high for this, but I have a sneaky feeling that a, uh, some sort of a conditional will will come on board here. And um, he just, to me, now looks a, a small bit obvious here. 16th chosen mate at the moment. I think best price out there in the village. Um, an interesting runner uh, for sure. Demo, you can kick us off with the potemps. Um we all waxed lyrical about the bosses. Oscar was going to win at the uh, festival uh, last season, and uh, all sorts of things happened in that race. He was just one of the ones that was super unlucky, um, not to not to finish closer. Will he get it done this time round in the potemps? I think so. I think this is actually a poor enough 
renewal of the race. I think this is between the very much so between the top three. It's very hard to get a handle on Champagne Platinum. This this does look a long term plan with him. He's a talented horse, but I'm not sure how much he really wants it in a finish. Um, Imperial Alcazar actually has a very funny kind of stat stat to come over in that winning your trial is never a good thing apparently like, like what other sport in the world <laughs> is that, is that, is there's, a, that, there's a nuance to a potemps what other sport in the world is that a bad thing so imperial alcazar is obviously extremely interesting but just the boss's oscar he's uh, this has been his aim absolutely all season Um, he got fairly tumped now by the uk handicapper you know he's a good bit higher than he is here um which which does seem typical at times, that's what the Irish get, but just how much the Irish win these handicaps, Dean, you can't really, you know, you can't complain too much. It's just, he's 143 in Ireland and he's, he's 152 in the UK. It does just seem a, a fair smack to get considering he, you know, he was 12 lengths behind Florian Porter, which I know looks strong form, but still he was well put in his place that day and then was beaten by Dandy Mag at Christmas when he was probably a bit unlucky. But um, I think um, he's, he's very interesting here, especially... I again just the same thing as chosen mate. I think they will have to claim off him. Gordon has mentioned that in his um in his stable tour. So I uh, I can't envisage any situation but a claimer on board. And if you could get him below into the late one forties with a claimer, he's he's gonna take a lot of stopping. An awful lot of stopping. Yeah, he'd be my pickle, right? Although I'm very respectful to the to the idea of champagne platinum going very well in this. And also uh Fergal O'Brien's Imperial Alcazar. Who you know maybe shouldn't have won the trial, but that's that's what it did, Paddy, and it wins on the route to Cheltenham Festival. Yeah, I think for me, I would be keener on the horse who finished behind him. Um, come on, Teddy of yeah. Tom George's. I think. I mean, look, he was comfortably beaten, albeit he was only five lengths behind him. But I just don't think he wants winter ground or he, he can cope with winter ground maybe as as well as other horses he's running around with this time of the year um i mean he's won at cheltenham on on soft ground i mean he's even run you know reasonably well at on utoxid or soft ground so he can handle it to a certain extent i just don't think he wants an absolute bug obviously <clears throat> this will be the target for him he hasn't got any other entries tom george has seen an interview with him he's only got a small but select team but i think he's still progressing come on teddy and as long as the um the ground holds up and keeps drying out i think it will certainly suit come on teddy off a mark of of one three four but i mean this is it's a minefield this isn't it because we see we see these qualifiers throughout, throughout the year and sure you know they're 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 criminal aren't they but um so you, you, you know, <laughs> that's one you, way to put them paddy you, yeah they're fun to watch yeah you've really got to have a proper sort through here and and maybe go for something sort of what would you say like less sexy that his marks are or his form coming into the race looks pretty ordinary um yeah. i think phil kirby's horse to be very interesting he's got no other entries at all apart from the the part in bushy park i mean he absolutely mullered them the other day at at haydock and i mean he does have one defeat um in 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 the in that line of wins and that came in one of them them silly jumpers bumpers but Apart from yep. that, um, Bushy Park still could be could still have a little bit of bit of a room to manoeuvre off his mark. Fair enough, um, and you wouldn't put it past you know a very shrewd yard like that to to leave some room for attempts. But they all should have needed to have left a bit of room for the attempts. <coughs> That's the nature of that race, which is why it's so crazy, uh, as Derma pointed out. It's the only uh, tournament in the world where you don't want to win your semi final going into the final. 
which makes no sense. But still, uh, a fascinating contest. Derma, I'm going to come to you next on the plate. And we mentioned far class already. Uh, it looks like it could go off uh, favourite for this, albeit has to has to turn up at the meeting, of course, given uh, recent events. Uh, it would be my shout. Thought it ran very well at the Dublin Racing Fest. Yeah, before um, before recent events um, conflated, though, was was actually one of my my really confident um, festival picks. He's 144. I think he'll get in here off around 147. Is my kind of taken, and I think he'll he'll get in off the exact same mark that the storyteller did on his season. Um, Gordon Elliott's record with novices in handicaps is just unbelievable at Cheltenham. So conflated is the one that I'm big on. It's a wait and see type type job now, so I definitely wouldn't be recommending an anti post mm-hmm. bet just yet. But if he does. Turn up here, Dean, in one shape or another. Uh, conflated will be one of my more more confident selections as the whole festival goes on. Fair enough. Big shout then for conflated in that Paddy Power Plate. Paddy, anything catch your eye in the in the current shakeup? Well, I think you know, like Caribbean boy of Nicky's. Um, yeah, oh yeah. Now, obviously, he looked very, very good on his return at Newbury. Can't say he's been underwhelming since because. You know, although third of three behind the Dashel Drasher, he was only seven lengths behind him. That was on heavy ground at Ascot. And then he ran him on heavy again at Sandown, where he was only beaten five and a half lengths. Another one in the same sort of category as Come On Teddy. I think the drying ground uh, would suit him because this is a fine, big, proper athlete of a horse who just likes to run along and jump. So obviously he's been freshened up since. I'm hoping this has been the target. He's only a seven-year-old, not been over-raced. And I think we'd see a far different horse on some nicer ground that he could just bounce off. So Caribbean boy, for me, off a mark of, of one five three, around about 16s. Yeah, a couple of glimpses from that horse this season. Put it right in the mix in a strong, strong festival race. And that's what it's going to run in, very likely in that Paddy Power plate. So, uh, okay, we'll move on from that one then, Paddy. I'll let you go first with the Kim Muir. It's always a fascinating contest. Uh, I find it impossible to solve on the day, let alone right now, to be honest. Yeah, and then obviously um, we're, we're going to miss it's It's, you know, it's such a shame that, that the amateurs aren't going to get their, their yep. day, day in the sun here. And, you know, they can count for an awful lot because... Um, you know, they kind of sat on them at home or ridden them in, in their preps. As we've seen Derek O'Connor, you know, and the likes do leading up to these races. Um, exactly. So very, very interesting. Um, for me, I think, you know, I've always been of the opinion that Ben Pauling's horse has never gotten over that that epic battle he, he had here at the previous festival, Le Bruel. I mean, he's run well since, but he's not won since he won that race at the festival. So I always try and sort of, Put a put a line through him. Um, you know he's 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 broken my heart on more than one occasion now, and that's what I think happened to him uh, at at the festival in, in, in trying so hard to win. Yeah, I'd probably pass him over. Um, it was an interesting one here. At at more of a price, I was probably with the horse that Dermo gave a great shout to at Haydock, uh, Achille. Um, if he turns up, he's around about 20s, very, very likable horse, ran an absolute screamer on his comeback. I mean, really, he had no business running as well as he did. And for a few strides the other day, I was, I was sure he was going to win. But nonetheless, he bumped into a horse who runs the track well and, and is no back number. So he wasn't disgraced at all. So I was probably with the old-timer here, 11-year-old Achille. You certainly won't miss him. He's He's nearly pure white by now. Yeah, he is. And he only got the job done for Dermo uh, just a week or so ago, Keely. Uh, 20s for the Kim Muir Dermo. Is that where you're going or have you something else? Uh, I Just the exact same as yourself, Dean. I've, I don't think I've ever backed a Kim Muir winner. So 
I don't waste too much time until the actual day of it. I'm sure I've backed one, but the fact that I can't remember it means it was a, it was a dart I probably didn't need to throw. <laughs> <laughs> that's the beauty of it. Um, so that's, that's the Kim Muir. Going to be tricky enough on the day, and as Paddy quite rightly points out, um, it's going to miss that touch of the amateur magic, which does make it good. Now, the county hurdle, Derm, I'm coming to you first. 50 ball was my idea of this. You've suggested it could go coral. If it went in the county up against its recent conqueror, Soaring Glory, uh, that'd be a nice rematch to watch. It would be absolutely brilliant, and I think he'd um, he'd be extremely interesting in whatever he turns up. I I just think with better ground, but on the better ground, Dean, um, there's a horse there of um, of Dan Skelton's who has always who needs better ground. It's simple as that. But he's always taught the world of him. He mentioned before that this horse could be one of the best ones that he's trained. Now Dan Skelton has inherited from his years with Paul Nichols a bit of the the ability to kind of you know to talk yeah, up horses. Give it a go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, um, but this horse was rated 100, 102 on the flat when he was trained by uh, by Tom Dascom. You know, he was in stakes races, etc., etc. Very, very nice horse, and all his best form has come away one day on good to firm ground, etc. So Proshima, um, I think he's extremely interesting if he ever gets that ground again. He's had two jumper bumper runs. That's that. That's all that they could get get into him because the ground just hasn't been suitable. Um, he was second on his first run this season, but Prashima here off a mark of 131. Um, now that, that could well be too low to get in, but you just never know now with, with the way that these handicaps might just fall. So he mm. could be extremely interesting if he does manage to, to get in off that mark. Um, he's been back the, the last few days. He's way better than that mark if he gets the right ground, but obviously mark 131 is dodgy there so without him 50 ball would be my interesting one here if he got into this race uh this is such a hot race the other one that deserves a mention here as well who, who could just be of um of graded class is uh, champagne gold for um for henry de bromhead he's rated um he's a a very decent horse and uh, he ran a great race at the dublin racing festival when maybe just finding when finding one just a bit too good there also in the supreme but this this is a smart horse right 139 and uh that's a serious mark for this race and this horse will 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 handle the better ground no problem whatsoever so a uh, champagne goal for for the county if he does turn up here but again it's just kind of hold your bets until uh until we know a small bit more yeah, Prashima is a very interesting chat. There'll be a wholesale slam on that if it gets in near bottom weight. Yeah, oh, be absolutely. We'll go of off the, nothing yeah. like the 16 to 1 is there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the double figures will be gone, I would imagine. He's that. a non-runner, no bet kind of bet now, isn't he? Oh, absolutely. I can yeah. see there's an angle for that. Like like Zanza that I highlighted earlier, you should back it now because if it's going to, if it, it goes wrong at the weekend or, you know, like in Prashima's case, if that one doesn't get in, but Zanza's in, it's just whether it goes right or wrong at the weekend. Yeah. Uh, you're in a good spot, I'd say. Prashima's right, in Paddy, this weekend uh, as well. Yeah, well, there you go. So these are the ones that, are, no doubt, we're seeing a little bit of blue around on the, on the odds boards. Uh, for the county, Paddy, Soaring Glory versus 50 Ball round two. But uh, if it just comes down to those two, uh, it, there's there's plenty more in here. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I know we said probably you don't get as much value about Skelton Horses because of his, his he's got a great record in the race, hasn't he? Um, yeah. The, the other one, any idea at all? Have you heard any whispers about where the, sh- the shunter has got a massive entry at the festival? 
I'd say he's Wherever entered in. Wherever they go is where he'll have the best chance because that training is just a genius. I just I re- <laughs> He'd be entered in the fucking charity race, I'd say, if that was Everything. there, Paddy. Everything, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And you know you wouldn't you wouldn't write him off anywhere because every time he turns up with a horse, like I can't understand why that's running in that race and it wins. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, he'll, yeah. He'll, he'll get a supplementary for the cross country if Easyland starts sneezing or anything. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> it, no. You know he'd be one of those horses if they hadn't changed the rules would 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 maybe run twice here. I mean he's got he's got him in the the more battle hurdle over here at Kelso on Saturday. Um, right. I mean he's priced up at, at thirteen. To two for that um so interesting if you travel but i'm just looking he's got a coral cup a johnny henderson paddy power plate county hurdle and he's in the boys race as well um yeah and he's the, the shortest one is for the the paddy power at, at tens but uh, the, the the shunter he, he's an absolute beast i mean that, that was a massive run last time out over the minimum but i was going to go for uh, a horse who was very close to him in the market here he's got a um a coral cup entry as well and you raise me up of Martin yep. Russell's, he had a winner yesterday at Punchestown. Uh, was a or Fairy House yesterday, was it? Um, and yep. he gave this chap a mention. So he, I can't remember which way he said he was going to go, but this is an absolute cracking little horse. This, I mean, his first run in a handicap, lads, was in the um, the Labrock Hurl at Leopardstown last year. That was his first run in a handicap. And he was beaten a length and a quarter uh, by those days are gone. Uh, I mean, look, he only had 10 stone, but still massive run uh, to say first run in such a competitive handicap, 22 runners. But he's just a proper racehorse. This. I've ridden him quite a bit at home. He's an absolute cracker, hard as nails, typical county hurdle sort of horse. Doesn't need to see a hurdle, um, just wants burying, good, strong traveller. So if he, if he was to, to, to rock up here, um, I think he'd be very, very interesting because he's a horse with... Although very very low mileage, like I said, he's a, he's a proper man of a horse, and exactly what you need for for the rough and tumble of a of a county. Love that, love that shout for you, raising yeah, me up. Fair play, yeah. Paddy. Um, loads of insight into that one, and a, a whopping price. If you can <clears throat> if you can nail down where it's going to turn up, you're in good shape there. With you, raise me up, and the shunter, of course, entered in in every single race at the Cheltenham Festival, plus the boat race, and in the last sixteen of the Europa League. So um, got every chance, <laughs> every chance of doing something special with that horse, and it is an absolute cracker. And fair play to them. Uh, there's one more handicap left before we take a break and have a look at some of the the weekend action. Demo, uh, help me out with the lucky last because I, I got a feeling you have something in that. It's the in pipe of course uh yeah gabby knackle um he's rated 138 that was a real experience of a run last time uh he ran over two miles but like he's 16 to 1 in places um you can get or uh, sorry he's 20 to 1 in places he's 16 to 1 non-runner no bet mm-hmm. he's gonna go off an awful lot shorter if bob ollinger somehow manages to beat um gaird domainiel so like he's only eight and a quarter lengths behind him at um at nice in a grade one and what i love about this horse is the experience that he has i mean he's had six runs this season second behind escalade and second behind fakira beating envious editor and then beaten by ashdale bob and bob ollinger who were both fancied for the albert bartlett and then uh, beaten last time by dropped the anchor but he was given a really nice time of it that day i just thought he made a bad mistake two out and he was just brought home and that was over two miles he will have learned an awful lot for, for from that experience and as I said earlier on, you need a graded horse to win a handicap, 
at Cheltenham and Gavin Acko has nearly already proven that that's exactly what he is so a mark of 138 is very fair Gavin Cromwell has mentioned this race a few times now and Connor McNamara is apparently the uh, jockey who we booked on board so you've got a grade one horse here um, but again Barnavadon if he didn't get into the Coral Cup I I'll be backing him here as well. So Gabby Necco and Barnavadon are the two that I have my eyes on in um, in this race, Dean. But the more I listen to everyone, Dean, we could have 10 people on this podcast and each one of them could make a brilliant case for for a handicapper. I absolutely adore the, uh, the festival handicaps for that reason. Yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, you you when you land on one at a big price like that, Gabinaco, and you can you can make the case that this way it's gonna go and they've already thought about the jockey and you know there's there's form in there that's gonna actually gonna start backing up during the week. You could be super confident by the last race of the festival, and if you're in good shape, uh, that could that could that could be good fun. Um the the boys' race, Paddy, the finale uh, of of the week uh, the Martin Pipe handicap hurdle, which which um horses have caught your eye so far, two weeks well, away. Uh Nicky's horse, Craig Nish, he's in there, Dino, isn't he? He's yeah. A few entries around for that one, not quite as many as the Shunter, but a few other options. Yeah, it's, I couldn't really get sort of any Agamese price. He's he's in the um, the Coral Cup as well, I think, but he's sixteens uh, for both, so weren't really getting any clues there. But obviously, yeah. you know, he's he'll be kept fresh for this uh, whatever target he goes for anyway. Um, so I thought he was interesting for sure. Um, Dermo mentioned Champagne Gold. Any idea where he's going to go, lads? Would he go here or would he go earlier in the day? God, God only knows, Paddy. Um, yeah. He looked a two-miler to me now at Leperstown, but I'd say they could they could change depending on who declares where, etc. I'd say. Yeah. Um, for me, probably the horse that was bang up sizing was in Gentleman to Me of Willie Mullins's only a five-year-old. Um, as I say certainly hasn't been abused very very low mileage which is is the kind of horse i think is is ideal for a race like this at a couple of starts in france and i mean we didn't get to see him until a couple of weeks ago at, at nace but although sent off very very skimpy in a winnable race um you know he got the job done quite nicely so he could i won't say go under the radar because he's one of jp's and you know, he's, he's got quite a nice profile and he's very, very young legs. But, you know, he could be one there that might sort of go off at a little bit sort of a valuable price because of his lack of experience. So slight preference for Willie's gentleman to me. OK, gentlemen gentlemen to me in those jp colors of course for the martin pipe and that is our spin through the handicaps take a very quick break here on the race out and when we come back we will take a look uh, albeit we're a few days out of course from the weekend action at newbury kelso and a bit of doncaster so let's do that in a moment you're listening to the race hour podcast brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk Check out bookmakers.co.uk each and every day for tips, news and the best odds for horse racing. Looking for a new bookmaker and the best sign-off offers in the industry? You'll find that at bookmakers.co.uk, sponsors of the Race Hour. Hello and welcome back to the third and final part of this week's Race Hour podcast brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk and of course Tony Bett all the way up to the Cheltenham Festival 2021. It's myself, Dean Ryan, Paddy Asborn, Dermot Nolan. Um, uh, you know, a rather more um, further outlook look at to the weekend racing at Newbury, uh, Kelso and Doncaster. Starting with the 115 
at uh, Newbury Demo. I'll come to you. Um, a few of the old favourites are in this race, uh, Present Man and uh, Single Farm Payment and West Approach. Uh, it's normally who takes a turn, but they don't get it done very often between them. And if you're a Single Farm Payment fan, uh, you've been struggling a long time for the 11-year-old to come good. But these veteran traces, uh, as this 115 at Newbury, uh, they're fascinating contests, aren't they? They really are. They're absolutely great for the game and you know you've got a lot, a lot of lovely horses here single farm payment who is obviously a lot of people have called him an awful lot of names and west approach etc and valadome if anyone ever wants to watch back a race watch him jump in the ground the uh, cross country faces he he never quite stayed far enough but my good god was he uh, some sight over them but um yeah. to to find a winner here uh, sir ivan i thought I know he's favorite but um harry fry's horses are turning a corner now he's had a few places and a winner of late he's had a horrible season with it but he looks like he's finally getting his horses back in form again and this horse is only rated 136 with Lorcan Murphy's claim he's only three pounds higher than than for his last win back in um uh, in January last year so he's had a kind of a bad time with it, but that was a big run in January behind uh, see you at midnight under Lorcan Murphy runs here off only one pound higher and I just think that uh, this race doesn't quite have a horse like that I think he's um he's by far away the horse on on the best mark and i think a lot of these will have a hard enough time now given way to um to surviving yeah fair enough harry fry look and murder also taking off the handy three pounds um paddy i, I love these veterans chase i'm not sure i'm necessarily going to get involved with this one but i just love seeing uh, the old boys going about the place yeah no they're fantastic and sometimes they're a little bit hard to weigh up because you know the form figures can't look that convincing but you know that's why trainers put them in these types of races because they've been finding it hard to win uh, because they're a bit long in the tooth um, so some of these horses can really appear to come right back to form but I was probably with the horse right at the foot of the weights here in Takur of Alan Jones's uh, he has one round here I mean he certainly is a veteran he's he's 13 years of age but he'll carry 10 stone ace he, he's a horse who's had wind trouble in the past and he's had several wind ups um, but not a bad return although well beat last time um, and back in sort of in this sort of grade against horses his own age, if he could back that run up, um, ticker for me right out the bottom for Alan Jones. Fair enough. A nod for the thirteen-year-old. Uh, actually, got to give age away here as well for Tiker. But what a fascinating kickoff uh, at Newbury with that one fifteen. Some absolutely gent of horses and uh, running around there. Let's talk to me about the one fifty, Paddy. This is the the Greatwood Gold Cup handicap. Jace uh, Grand Sancy and Killer Clown had the market there. I thought Killer Clown was very very good beating Falco Blitz on uh, St. Stephen's Day, Boxing Day. And we've not seen it since, but Emma Lavelle's horse uh, excites me going forward. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if if ASO is declared, um, you know, you keep the weights down, otherwise they'll go up £5 um, or, or maybe even more. But, you know, at the minute, he's in there off a lovely race and weighed 10 stone six. And that, he just came right back to form. I mean, I think if, if you look back, through his profile, it just looked like sort of he wasn't, not so much getting the rub of the green, but things just weren't falling into place for him. I mean, he's a point-to-point yeah. winner. Um, he's always looked like he's got a fair old engine in there, and things just came together last time. You would hope maybe that sort of helped him physically and mentally, killer clown, but that was very, very likable. I think he's a worthy favourite, Dino, and, you know, he's quite young legs, only a seven-year-old. So his profile is, is it does take your eye, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, and this is a race that uh, I know Paul Nichols has done very well. And he's got Modus in there as well. And 
He's got Grand Sansi and, and he's making a good fist of having a go at this again. Uh, but Killer Clown is just one that I really hope the seven-year-old gets a, a fair old crack at it now for Emma Lavelle. And it's got a nice horse, Demo. Yeah, completely agree. I don't need to add anything else in. That was the exact horse that I picked out. That was absolutely brilliant on uh, on St. Stephen's Day or, or Boxing Day, as you let's call it. Um, but uh, Killer Clown for me as well, Dave. Okay, that's going to be a very good race. Now, we mentioned ASO um, just before in about whether it will run there because it's also favourite for this uh, this premier chase, the Bet365 premier chase. Uh, Kelso, for the listed contest, and Paddy, if they, if they go there, it does change the race we just talked about. But this is not, just because it's favourite, this is a tough contest. Nutswell, who's been uh, a revelation for Anne Hamilton, two for gold, who's been very good for Kim Bailey. And you've got a few returners who, who could pop back into into top form. Lights of Lakeview Lad, Janica, definitely red. And we've got the cloth cap in here, potentially. Yeah, for sure. I mean, definitely red. I mean, he's 12 year old now. He, he ended up on the floor last time, but you know, he did win this last year and we've seen Ellison win the either last week. So, you know, at least the stable are, are in, in reasonable gear at the minute. And it's interesting. I mean, if we keep getting a dry week, you'd imagine he nuts well is jocked up uh, because he's missed several engagements either through abandonments or, you know, they've taken him out on the day. So they obviously think that, this son of Dylan Thomas needs a needs a sound surface, and I mean for a ten year old, um, you know he only seems to be coming to his own because for ages he was kicking around in handicaps there with always lurrying twelve stone round on his back and running his race and getting beat. But fair play to Connections, uh, they've done very very well, and even at his years have seemed to eke out a bit of improvement with him. So I'd be here with him because the Hamiltons are very although they're small trainers as regards numbers wise. They know their horses very, very well and interesting that they've really minded this chap since winning the old roan and hopefully they'll let the shackles off and, and give us give us a look at them on Saturday again. Yep. Yep. Despite the break, I, I would agree. I think I think not well um albeit for a ten year old. They haven't they've just kind of kept it for the races they want to go for and not well could be the answer here, Dama. Again, yeah, I'm gonna seem very, very lazy, but um nuts well like it's very clearly a plan here just just to hold back for the the right ground because that was a obviously a serious performance at um at Aintree back in October and Clondalk Castle there in second could not have done that form any more good than he did last weekend at um at Kempton winning so the the form of that all round chase that uh, Nutswell won last time is very very strong and um, the ground will obviously continue to uh, to fix itself and Anne Hamilton is um, adept at winners at Kelso so I thought Nutswell is just um, again a very obvious winner Dean. Yeah I like it Paddy likes it you like it could be the the podcast charge there. Uh, Dem I'll come to you first on the 255 at Doncaster I'll make it really easy for you again if you want. Zanza is going to win this and the Grand Annual. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I won't agree with the latter of it, but I had no opinion on this race, Dean. So I'm very, very happy just to uh, to row in behind you. Fine, okay, Paddy. I'll make it really easy for you. Sansa is going to win this <laughs> and the Grand Annual. If I keep saying it, it might happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, he's got plenty. Of, he's going to have plenty of weight on Saturday, uh, Zanza. But you know, for a seven-year-old, he's only had four starts over fences so you know there's any amount of improvement to come and only only, only Dickie Johnson will know actually how much horse he had under him the last day but he visually appeared to still be be happy when he he did crash out at at Cheltenham and you know the form of the race has, has worked out quite nice 
not seen him since. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't honestly know. Um, but I'm pretty sure that this is this is going to be a well-run race. I thought also worth a mention at the bottom, he's got another entry as well, was Rico Boy of Dr. Newlands. I thought he just bumped into a very, very resolute, determined horse the last day up at Musaburra. He ran his race. Uh, Rico Boy wasn't beaten very far. And, I mean, the winner, I can't remember his name, he's also... Uh, got an entry in in the same race as Rico Boy is in as well, so I'd imagine he'll try and avoid him. So he could be declared for this, and he'll only have he's only got ten stone nine, and and if the the usual claim arrives him, he'll have even less. So if, mm-hmm. if it's a, a race run at a good race, could just fall Rico Boy's way. Yeah, he'll um he get plenty of weight off my selection, Zanza. So that's Doctor Richard Newland's uh, Rico Boy uh, demo. Shackles should be off now from for Cloth Cat. Not that they were on for the Labbrook, but the Grand National weights are in. Uh, there isn't <laughs> much going to change now. They may as well uh, go and win this. And do you know what? The Grimthorpe just looks ideal for Cloth Cat. Same tactics. Um, tell me how it gets beat. It's two to one favourite though. No, it's um I don't actually see. Oh, he gets beat. There is there is some nine to four out there as well, and just yeah, I mean that was that was such a good performance. I right was very unlucky not to win afterwards. Obviously the poor old condition we lost him, but he ran well afterwards as well. And good ground again, just just kind of seem seems keen to him, and particularly just that he's low enough in the ratings that that they're they're um, obviously the the at the moment he's not. In the Grand National, I don't believe he's just outside of the forty, but he probably should should kind of sneak in there. And the um, he's extremely interesting for that. But they may as well just kind of go for this because obviously the uh, the Grand National is such a lottery, and he won't get any weight anyway. So um, off at nine to fourteen, if he's anything near that price on the day, I'll be I'll be very happy with him. Jeez, I don't think we've ever done an easier uh, weekend preview. It just Never, no. no. We always it's disagree, too, but yeah, yeah, we're all on the same page. It's too today. obvious, Paddy. Maybe we're just fatigued, or maybe we actually, you know, our form study skills have risen. Yeah, no, I definitely hope he runs because <clears throat> I've yet, you know, it's been a long time since, I know, I know he had a lightweight at Newbury, but I'm just so impressed with the way he ran through the line at, at Newbury. I mean, it was a well-run race, got a, a peach of a ride off, off Tom Scoo, but he just looked, you know, really, really good in the first time cheap pieces that day and, you know, such a competitive handicap and, and, and the way he he took off up the run-in, he was, it was just very, very, to say it was November, I, c- I can still see it now, um, the performance is still very fresh yeah. in your mind, you know, um, really looked like a horse going places and, I mean, although he's nine-year-old, only had 10 starts, over fences, so he is relatively low mileage. This clock cap, and it'd be great to great to get a look at him. And it's just really, you know, it's full of uh, it's a race full of horses that you know the bulk of them are coming into it in fairly ordinary form. Um, all barren clock cap. Okay, Corral, we've not seen him for over a year. Um, mm. So yeah, it's 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 a difficult race on the rest of them anyway to have any strong arguments. Yeah, I think if they go and execute as they did, uh, well, as, as Tom Scudamore did for John Joe O'Neill uh, at Newbury, they're going to be mighty, mighty tough to beat. And um, yeah, fair play. Um, you know, everything about this horse, being a Trevor Hemmings horse, of course, is all geared to a day at April and a day at Newbury. And it seems to be coming off for John Joe O'Neill. So that is the weekend action. It does look fascinating stuff. Uh, it looks relatively simple, but we, we've said that before. And, uh, and and come out the wrong side of it. Look, it's been a pleasure, chaps, to talk to you about, um, well, of course, the, the week 
the week's news, the horses that ran, uh, the handicaps at the Cheltenham Festival, and now the weekend action to come. Paddy, we may not catch up with you again before the Cheltenham Festival. I mean, we've got to look forward to it, despite everything that's going on. And we've, 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 we've covered some of the races there today. But outside of those handicaps that we talked about, you know, what, what are you really hoping to, to see at the Cheltenham Festival? Which horse is, is going to stand out for you um, amongst some of the ones we've been talking about for the, the months in the build-up on here? Well, to be honest, I was on the other side of the fence as regards you've always been in the Time Hill camp and I've generally yeah. been Paisley Park, but I've sort of really felt for your horse since Ascot, um, Time Hill, because I genuinely thought on the day that that, that was the best horse. And thankfully, the hubs, the, their season has gained momentum sort of mm. from then and and. You know they're they're having a much better time now. Um, so he was a horse I thought could get his you know get get his day in the sun again uh, because he's worthy of it. But we're just going to have such a good battle between the two because they're so closely matched. That's probably what I like more of all. There's so little between them. They're both quite similar, I think now and how how they they need the race to be run. They certainly won't be getting the kick in the belly, sort of two down and and, and sent for home. They're just although they're horses that stay a trip. They do need to be be hung on to and, and have the race sort of run to suit and, and be produced at the right time. So, you know, it's, it's quite intriguing, really. And, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing them two do the battle. And, and hopefully, maybe Time Hill might might sort of get, get his turn this time round. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those jewels, and there's so many of them at the festival. In fact, and it's probably a bit unfair to call them jewels, but that's one of the ones that I'm super looking forward to. The champion hurdle and the Gold Cup and and that race have me on uh, tenter hooks. The champion chase, not so much, unless you know an Altior is absolutely ready to go and take on Shaku and Poussoir. Um, that one might not deliver what we hope, but I think those other three races all will, Paddy, won't they? Oh, for sure. Yeah, there's no doubt, and I mean. Obviously, from here on in, generally when we get to this time of the year, the ground normally, anyway, does start to to dry out, and we're going to have some some reasonable ground. And you know, it'll be kept safe. So hopefully, no excuses all around. Just good, safe jumping ground. That's going to have see horses able to to jump well, but also finish off and and um, see the best horse win on the day. Yeah, I can't wait for it. Um, we will we will have a couple more race hours and things like that before uh, it all get underway. And, of course, the preview night. And and uh, thanks, Paddy, for now. Um, thank you, Dermo, as well. And in a week where, you know, some have let down the sport, let's all not get too down, okay? Cheltenham Festival is around the corner. It will go ahead. Um, let's let's keep our heads up. Thank you. You've been listening to the race hour uh, brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. And, of course, with Tony Bett all the way to the Cheltenham Festival 2021. This episode of The Race Hour was brought to you by Tony Beck, our Cheltenham Festival sponsors for 2021. And whether it's the latest trends or hottest festival tips, don't forget to visit bookmakers.co.uk where you'll be covered with top-notch insight before and throughout the week. The Cheltenham Festival 21 on The Race Hour, brought to you by Tony Beck.